I am excited because tonight um, the person that is going to be sharing with us is, is really a special gift, uh, not only to this house, but I believe to the global church around the world. I really believe she is a woman of God who hears from God, who is led by God. And I'm telling you, uh, you, you, you are better tonight because you came to church because it's going to be a special night. Come on, tell me, look at the person next to you and tell him, I'm glad I came tonight. Come on. You had no idea what you were about to get into, but I'm telling you, tonight it's going to be a special, special night, and uh, she's been here for many, many years. She is a prayer warrior, a woman of God. I believe she is, uh, just has a special anointing over her life, and uh, her and her husband are legends. Her husband was incredible. Passed away a couple years ago, but he, uh, just somebody to admire, somebody to copy, somebody to, like Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. That's how he lived his life, and they were missionaries, been around the world leading people to Jesus. And uh, what I admire about her is she has continued strong, and I believe that her best days are ahead of her. I believe that God has an incredible season she's about to walk into, and I believe that tonight you're going to hear from God. I, I, I just want to ask you, can we honor her tonight? Can you stand up on your feet, and can we welcome Arlene Hoffman tonight? Come on, come on, come on. Let's thank God for her life. Let me tell you something. I, I'm not used to being on this platform, but you guys look amazing from here. Thank you so much for the warm welcome. And if I look like I'm cold, I am a little bit cold. Um, I just want to thank you as a family that you are here and that you love Jesus. Because that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about God and how he wants to fill the sanctuary of our hearts. We're going to talk about how to do that. And I'm not assuming you don't know how to do that, but I know that God wants to meet us here tonight in a big way. I hope you don't mind if I start off with prayer. Yeah? Father God, I just thank you. I thank you because you're so real. I thank you, God, because you have already gone ahead of us. I thank you, God, because you're filling this place with your spirit. God, I ask that you touch hearts tonight, that you touch ears tonight, that you cause us to be stirred up in our spirits, that, Lord God, that I would decrease in this place, that no flesh would be glorified here, my God, that you and you alone will be lifted up. I pray that every word that comes from my mouth and even the meditations of my heart will be acceptable to you tonight, God. I pray that people will be moved and that you will be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tonight we're going to really talk, chat a little bit about the reality of God. And I have entitled this message... How to Pray the Scriptures. Again, if you're wondering what authority I have in teaching the subject, thank you, Pastor Alex, for introducing me. 
But if you're wondering why I have an authority and what authority I have, let me just ease your mind a little bit by condensing my story and make it short. And if you know me, there's nothing short about me except my height. <laughs> I love to talk, but I promise you I won't bore you and I won't stretch it out. But my story is a typical example of illusion versus experience. And as you know, there is never a testimony without a test, right? In Genesis 37, verses um, 19 through 20, it describes Joseph as a dreamer who agitated his brothers to the point of them wanting to murder him. So they could terminate his dreams and they could kill his vision. And the scripture says, Then they said to me, to one another, Look, this dreamer is coming. Come therefore, let us now kill him, and cast him into some pit. And we shall say, some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. Yeah, they talked a little funny back in the day, but they did say that. That's what the Bible accounts. Well, I too am a dreamer. However, there was a time like Joseph when I had knowledge without wisdom. And God had given me a dream when I was about five years old. And in the dream, I was sitting at an intersection on a bus bench. And beside me was Satan who held onto my left arm, I remember it as if it were yesterday, he held onto my left arm with the obvious intent not to let go. However, on my right was the Lord Jesus, who without force, he took my right arm and gently rescued me from the devil. I was so happy, guys, that I skipped all the way up to heaven. I did. <laughs> of course, when I was telling that dream to my little cousins at five years old, I had no idea who these two people were in my dream. But I knew it was a wonderful, wonderful dream. And I also remembered how fun it was to skip all the way up the very high, steep hill with all the stairs to the interesting looking house at the top of the hill. Years passed, and although I never forgot the dream, I was no longer filled with joy at the rescue that I experienced from the man on my right. Neither was I thrilled about the exciting trip that I took up that steep hill in that beautiful house. As I grew older, I still dreamt, but my dreams were often nightmares, and so was my life, for that matter. For a little while, there was only one dominant person sitting with me at the intersection of my life, and he was holding on to me with no intention of letting go. Like Joseph's brothers, he wanted to kill me and snuff out the dream I had at five years old. I scrambled through my life, guys, in and out of church, 
with minimal interest in connecting with God. I read his word daily, I did, but I never really connected with him. Then things started happening. I lost my parents. First, I lost my mom. She died. Then my dad. My nightmares never really stopped. And then again, neither did did my reading of God's word. I never stopped reading it. But one day, something happened. And like the prophet Isaiah, I really saw the Lord. Isaiah 6.1 tells us, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell his people. And he gave some instructions. That was Isaiah's story, but I also heard the voice of the Lord. The rest of my story, guys, is history. I made a decision to not only be a Christian, but to live a crazy relationship with God. Have that as a lifestyle. That was the decision I made. I figured if he is the same as his word, I should get to know his word. That made sense. And yes, I figured if I know his word, I should also obey his instructions. And don't keep it to myself. Go tell people, anybody, all the people, everybody. But I also learned that without the connecting power of the Holy Spirit, in conversations or prayer, I'm just blabbing, you know, I'm just a noise. The Bible refers to that kind of sound as an empty gong and a clanging cymbal. So tonight, we're going to really have an interesting chat on how to pray the scriptures. I hope you're still with me. Okay. (laughs) I'm not used to wearing these, but I should wear them, and tonight I'm forced to, and they're falling off my Thank you. (laughs) Experiencing the reality of God and his word. I want to start with with an introduction here. One, the importance of experiencing the reality of God. Second one is knowing that he and his word are one and the same. The scriptures undeniably associates God with his word. And it says that they're both eternal. So God is eternal and his word is eternal. In Matthew 24, verse 35, it says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will by no means pass away. In Isaiah 48, it says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. These are biblical statements with a lot of emphasis on it. And that's the word of God. But guess what? It carries a lot of weight. It does. So the scriptures are also very clear that although the knowledge of God's word is absolutely necessary 
for the believer's health, for our health, for well-being, and for our maturity as well. We must be connected by the power of the Holy Spirit for the word to become alive and powerful in our own lives. It's like having um, a radio and a television. Fabulous. You just bought it. And it's in a nice place in your house where you never plug it in. So it really has no power. But once you plug in that baby, it will start working. Things will start happening. And it's the same thing with the Word of God. It is very obvious that mere human faculty and reasoning is not enough for understanding God's Word. Like the way we think normally, we are not naturally wired to comprehend the Scriptures. Revelation of God's Word must come through the ministry of His his Spirit for us to really effectively proclaim the power of the scriptures in prayer. I'm not saying we mustn't read, and, but you have to have, we can read, and we lose the power of what we're reading. Um, in 1 Corinthians 2, 11, 12, it says, For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Let me just give you an example of a man God bragged about on a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Guess who showed up for the gathering? Satan. It says it in the Bible. I'm going back in the book of Job. We can only assume that according to the account in the book of Job, the sons of God were celestial beings or angels. However, on that particular day of this meeting, God addressed Satan. And in Job 1.8, this is what God said. Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? Well, from where I'm sitting and reading, this man Job definitely sounds like a man who obeyed God and his word. How would you like to be introduced in this manner by God himself. I think that was pretty neat. However, what I also noticed, at the end of the book of Job, we discovered a very stark reality at Job's own confession, by the way. After a lengthy discourse between Job and God, and that was for maybe about 36 chapters, Job declared... In Job 42, it says, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. And then he said, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes have seen you. This is Job's confession, guys. And he said, my eyes have seen you. 
This was the fact that Job thought he knew God. He was just talking about God, but he was talking stuff that he didn't understand. This was a man that God introduced as a righteous man. So let's fast forward to 2016. How many of us are talking and taking the time to converse with God through his word? I don't want to show off hands, but I'm just saying. For me, the math is simple. If you really want to know God, know his word. So there is no misconception and no assumed quotes. Because there's a lot of that. It happens. The best way to know God is through the scriptures. You read it. You talk to him about what you don't understand. He will reveal it to you through the power of his Holy Spirit. He's not going to come and sit in front of you. Sometimes I wish he would do that. But the Spirit of God stirs up in you. And he will bring revelation to you through his Spirit. When we become familiar with his word... Our prayers become words of life. You know what? We can go ahead and we can read our Bible. We can pray prayers and cling to hope. Most Christians do that. That's acceptable, I guess. That's wonderful. But experiencing the reality of God and his word through the power of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of God in our lives will break. I promise you, it will break the yoke of bondage, not only in our lives, guys, but in the lives of those for whom we intercede. It does not matter how long it takes to connect. The important thing is that we connect with God. So we can proclaim the reality of God with conviction. Experiencing the reality of God and his word is a totally different level. And I don't want to assume that everyone here has experienced God. People on a whole feel that there is a format, there is a posture, or even ideal times that we, that we are required to enter his presence and talk to him. Have you ever asked someone, let's pray, can you pray? And they go, no, I don't want to pray. But these are people that you're sitting beside day after day. And it's normal. It's normal. Because there have to be, it, there needs to be a familiarity, a closeness, a connection. Or else people don't feel comfortable praying with someone else to God. So... My experience is God is not turned off if we run into the throne room breathless. He's not. His desire is that we come. Come in. He says we can come breathless, but without anxiety. We can come in breathless, because most of us do, but with thanksgiving. Talk to him with reverent wonder. Make our requests known to him with confidence, and with trust. Learn to do that. When you become familiar with him, you don't have to thee, thou, and thy. You just talk to him because you're made in his image. This is just my introduction, by the way. (laughs) 
We're going to talk about the tangible word of God, that it's living and it's powerful. I read a beautiful description of God's word in a path introduction section once of the NIV Bible, and it described the word as God's love letter to humanity. That made a great impression on me, really. I attended a school of biblical studies in Australia a long time ago, where we were taught the principles of the inductive study of the word. This approach allows the scripture to speak for itself through a five-point process. And the order is really very simple. Pray. What are you praying for? For total reliance on the Holy Spirit to illuminate your understanding. The next thing you're going to do, you're going to read, but you're reading with diligence. You're observing what you read. You're observing what the scripture is relating to at the time of writing. Then you're interpreting. It sounds like you're going to school, but believe me, it's as you read with that kind of order, it happens. You're interpreting what is God saying to you through the passage of scripture. And then you apply. You bring it home to your own life application. It was through this process for me that I seriously recognized the power of the scriptures. And Hebrews 4.12 really brings it home to our understanding. It says, for the word of God is living, it's powerful, it's sharp. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. It's describing stuff here. Of joints and marrow, it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When we see the scriptures as divine resource, it will begin to affect the critical areas of our lives. And I want to go through that really quickly here. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, amen, thoroughly <laughs> equipped for every good work. In Isaiah 55, 11, it says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. See, the tangible word of God is living, it is powerful, and it has purpose and benefit. That's what the scripture has. So let me just go through a little bit of what that means. It's a divine resource. The scripture I just read from Hebrews 4.12, the resource is really the word of God. The purpose for which it was intended is that it's living, that's the benefit. It's powerful. It's a two-edged sword. You know, you can use it to proclaim righteousness. You can use it to cut loose the attacks of Satan. It's two-edged. It's sharp. It pierces. It divides. It affects the critical areas of our lives. What critical areas are affected? It tells us. It says the soul, the spirit, the body. It really describes what's going on inside joints and marrow. The heart, 
So what is the purpose and benefit of that? Discern. It discerns. It discerns attitudes. It judges. It exposes the intents of the heart. It doesn't tear you down. It doesn't, dis the, it doesn't criticize you. But it discerns your heart and your attitude. And when the word starts doing that, you don't need anyone else to come and tear you down because God has already convicted you. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, that resource is a God-inspired instructions. We read that. And it tells you that it's all scripture is given by inspiration of God. What are the purpose of, and benefits of that? It's profitable for doctrine. It reproves, that means it scolds us. It corrects us. It instructs us in righteousness. The good thing is it equips us for every good work. How fabulous is that? That's what the word does. Divine resource in Isaiah 55 verse 11. That is the word of God. What are the purpose and benefits of that? It's sent forth. It's directed. God's word, you can direct it. And it, what does it do when it's directed? It accomplishes what it's sent to do. And it prospers, it grows, it brings in dividends. So, when we recognize the tangibility of the scripture, it releases an amazing freedom. We will learn to exercise the full power of why it was given to us in the first place. In Webster's Dictionary, it defines the word tangible as able to be touched, substantially real. And that's God's word. It's, 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 it's tangible. It's touchable. Knowledge is power, my friends. When you read Luke 12, 48, we are told, For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. So here we see that the scriptures are not just a printout of instructions. What it is? It's a divine resource. It's the living and powerful word of God. It sharply affects every single area of our lives. It equips us for every good work. It's a direct weapon. It accomplishes its purpose. It prospers in every area that it is directed. So, Proclaiming scriptures in prayer is a powerful exercise of our authority. A line of defense against the enemy, because he knows you have authority when you use the word. That's what Jesus did. An assurance of complete alignment with God's heart. So let's talk a little bit about prayer. It's a divine lifeline between God and man. There's a quote from the pictorial Bible dictionary that Zondervan wrote, and it says, people never outgrow their need for prayer any more than their need for air and food. My desire tonight is that everyone would leave here knowing prayer is a divine connecting lifeline between you and God. We have freedom and we have effectiveness when we pray in faith and the authority of God's word.
Here are some biblical examples I'm going to give real quick, showing that God desires us to converse with him in prayer. Man, that clock is intimidating. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about Moses real quick. Moses. Moses in Exodus, um, Exodus 33, um, verses 13 through 40. Moses says, now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. Here's what God answered to Moses. He said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. This is a conversation between God and man. Abraham in Genesis 18.25, he says, Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And then here's what the Lord answers. So the Lord said, If I find in Sodom, and they were talking about this really wicked city, 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the places for their sake. Then there's another guy who spoke to him, Solomon. Now, O Lord God, let your promise to David, my father, be established, for you have made me king over a people like the dust of the multitude. Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people, for who can judge this great people of yours? Here is what God answered to Solomon. Then God said, Because this was in your heart and you have not asked riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked long life, but you have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may judge my people over whom I made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have the like. Here's what God is saying, that this has never been done before, Solomon, and I'm going to do it for you. That's how real God is. That's how real he really communicates with us. In Hezekiah, Remember now, O Lord, this is Hezekiah praying to God. He was sick. Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart, and I have done what was good in your sight. The Bible says, and Hezekiah wept bitterly. Here's what the Lord answered. Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add to your days 15 years. I will deliver you and this city from the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant, David. Are you getting it, guys? God is real. I'm laughing because he really is. He does talk to us. We see it here in the scripture and it is happening today in 2016 if you allow yourself to connect with him. And here is the last example I want to tell you about who prayed. 
our Lord's prayer. That's Jesus in John 17. He prayed a personal prayer. He prayed for his disciples. And then he prayed for all believers, which is us. Father, the hour has come. That was very personal. He said, glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. In verse 15, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. And in verse, that was for the disciples. Verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe. That's us, guys. Who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. How seriously huge is that prayer? I'm telling you, Jesus prayed that. So, um, we can have the worship team. I think I have maybe a f- five minutes left. I don't know, but we'll see. <laughs> What is the ultimate goal in teaching you how to pray the scriptures? Why am I doing this? Here's the encouraging testimony in an important overview as we close. Praying the scriptures, my friends, is not a formula for answered prayer. After all of this, you're telling me that? Well, although practicing the principle of praying the scriptures will no doubt revolutionize our prayer life and bring amazing results, we have to be careful not to encourage or entertain the idea that in order for God to say yes to our request in prayer, it is necessary to declare scriptures when we pray. The fact is God answers every fervent prayer. Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane was fervent when he prayed. He said, oh my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, he said, not as I will, but as you will. The truth is, all things are possible with God. We know that. However, Jesus wanted the will of his father, and so he did not end his, his request with a suggested truth. What he did was he proceeded to request the will of his father. He said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. The important thing to remember, and I repeat this, praying the scriptures is not a formula for answered prayer. However, it is our most powerful exercise of authority and line of defense against the enemy. And it assures a complete alignment with God's heart during our times of prayer. Accepting God's will should be the goal of our prayers. We must be willing to examine and obey the conditions set forth in God's word. I'm going to say something that might shock you. God's promise is conditional. You might go, really? In 2 Chronicles, it starts out, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, he says, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. In Philippians, it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In this scripture, guys, the Apostle Paul is giving us specific directions on how to receive the peace of the Lord in desperate situations. He is not teaching us how to pray. He is actually telling us that prayer with thanksgiving will release God's peace while we wait for the answer. And lastly, lastly, God establishes his promise to answer prayer. We see that in Jeremiah 33.3. He says, call to me. I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So family, for me, I say this is very comforting to know that God does not want us to pray aimlessly, but to believe and trust in his response. God's heart for us is confirmed in his word. Oh, how he loves us. Praise his name forevermore. I don't know where you are tonight in your relationship with God. I would like to give an invitation. This is not a challenge. This is just an invitation. Regarding your life of prayer and reading of the word, you may be a new Christian, you may not be a Christian, I don't know. But I'm giving you an invitation to know the knowledge of the word by connecting and having a crazy relationship to the God who created us. If you would like to have that kind of relationship with the Lord, your God in prayer and faith, this is not for salvation. This is just for connecting with God in prayer. Would you stand to your feet and we can pray. I'll pray. I'll lead. You pray from the passion of your heart. But I will lead in prayer from here. Father, God, we're so sorry that we are late. Too many things have delayed us, my God. But you have been so beautiful and so faithful, Lord. You have kept the door open and you have been waiting for us. Lord God Almighty, how can we really thank you except to give you back the life you gave us, God, and be completely sheltered in your almighty presence as long as we have breath. Lord, we want to accept this eternal connection with you. We ask that you send your Holy Spirit even now to come in this place, God, and to set us free from fear, God, from doubt, God, from pride, and anything else that has prevented us from connecting with you through the power of prayer and the reading of your word. God, we want to thank you tonight that you have been faithful to us. We praise you, Lord, and we give you all honor and glory and praise. Thank you, Jesus. Is that the current time? I'm good? <laughs> I also believe you can be seated, please. I want to thank you for your ears because that's so important. Um, sometimes, you know, we talk and, 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 and people are listening. But if you're like me a little bit, sometimes you get very distracted by things that's going on. But I think God really wants to connect with us for real. Um, 
I think sometimes heaven is very lonely. And I realize that because God's spoken to me about that. In worship times, sometimes it's the loneliest time in heaven because we get so enamored with the worship. And it's not we we're worshiping, it's God. And so um, if I could just encourage you to just connect with him because he's really so real. And tonight I know that there are people here who have never really known God in a very personal way, you know, let alone praying scriptures. They just never have asked him. Tonight we want to give you an opportunity to know the God that we have been talking about, if there is anyone here in this room. I'll tell you who he is. He's the creator who became the created. That's huge. And he came to earth so that he could... We could know him and connect with him. And you know what he did? The Bible tells us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But this creator became sin for us. So that the original purpose of God could be carried out. And what is the original purpose? For us to live with him in eternity. You see, we are all going to have eternal life. But not in the same location. And so... There is life and there is death. So just because we're made in the image of God, we still have to accept the fact that God had to come to break that sin disconnection that, that, that we had before Jesus came. So tonight, if there's anyone here that has never, ever asked Jesus, who is God, to come into your life, and to set you free from fears and sin. So that you can be eternally connected with God. So that you can live a life on earth without worrying about death. Because death only happens to the physical. So tonight I'm going to give a chance to anyone that wants to ask Jesus to come in their hearts. Jesus again is God. To come in and connect with you. To forgive you of the sin that we were born with. That's what it says. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And to ask God to come in and to set you free. That you can have eternal life with him. If there's anyone here, just a show of hands, please. If there's anyone here that wants to ask the Lord in their lives. I'm just going to give you a few more seconds. And if not, I'm so thankful that we're all here. If no one really has a need to ask Jesus in their lives, that we're all here going to live with God in eternity. Amen? Amen. So let's pray again. Father, we thank you tonight for being so faithful. We thank you, Lord God, that you are the connecting God. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, tonight that if this earth should pass away, that we will be with you in eternity. God, may the word that was sent forth tonight not be returned void, but that every person in this room will learn to connect with you in spirit and in truth. We praise you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.